if you if you are here, hold on, let me get this going. <clears throat> All right, y'all, we're about to get started, y'all. We're about to get going with our read and rant. Um, I'm going to make this available on YouTube. I may not make all my read and rants available on YouTube, but I'm looking for us to grow our YouTube community as we begin to develop out our, our YouTube channel. Um, so I want to encourage you guys, go ahead, subscribe. Okay, subscribe to our channel, like, comment, do all that good stuff. Um, it's it's youtube.com slash Isaac Frere. YouTube.com slash Isaac Frere. So I want to encourage you to do that. We're just getting this this channel going. Um, I've really, I really haven't done much yet. And so I look to expand that. It's really, really cool that we already have 16,000 subscribers. So thank you, y'all. I think we're close to 17,000 subscribers. So thank you guys for subscribing and supporting. You guys are so supportive. So I, I, I appreciate you guys more than anything. And so um, what we look to do is to continue to build out um, our voice and our content as we, you know, if anybody knows our vision here is to equip and empower you. So definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. The other thing I want to do is, is I want to encourage you to join our Discord community. If you haven't joined joined our discord community you sleep i got a whole community right now who's live with me they're all commenting right now i love that you guys are encouraging each other praying for each other motivating each other i, I love to see that i get to be a part of that so it isn't just you having conversation with me but you have an opportunity to converse with other folks who are on this platform as well so i want to encourage you to go to our discord channel. Um, I can text it to you. So if you need me to text it to you, stay connected with me by text as well. 954-231-1848, 954-231-1848. I encourage you guys to text me. I'll text you sometime today and send you the link. But if you just go to just Google discord and Google Opus Frere, it's the Opus Frere community on discord. We, we're, we're starting to establish forums there, discussions there. Um, it's a place where people get to chat. And of course, we've got some private groups there, like, for example, our Patreon group. So I want to encourage you guys to join our Patreon group as well. Prayerfully consider supporting us. Um, we've, we're trying to meet our goal here. So I want you guys to prayerfully consider if this is a blessing to you in any way. Okay. And you have an opportunity to be a blessing. Please do so. Prayerfully consider um, becoming a patron. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. I encourage you guys to join that. Thank you. Thank you for posting the link there. Um, but we're here. We're here. Quickly, shout out where you're located before we even get started. Shout out where you're located as we get ready to ramp up. I want to quickly just give you guys some perspective here as we spend time in the reading of the word this morning. Okay. What we're doing and what we do every time we come in the morning is we spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. And so for those of you who have been here, you've been journeying with us from Genesis all the way now to Hosea. We're in Hosea. I don't know. Prayerfully, we'll get done with Hosea today. We'll finish Hosea. And then we're going to go into uh, the minor prophets, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and all that good stuff. So it's exciting because we're about to be, listen, we're about to finish the Old Testament. So you guys have done that. We have endeavored to do this together. Some of you have been here from the beginning, the OGs, until you've read from the New Testament all the way to the end, from Matthew all the way to Revelation. And now there are those of you who've read now with us from Genesis all the way now to Hosea. So we're almost there. So guys, this is exciting. We get to do this together. And when this is all said and done, you can say with confidence, I read through the entire Bible. Um, there are many believers that I've spoken to who say, yeah, you know, I haven't really read through the entire Bible. It's like it's like this big deal. Like I haven't read through the entire Bible. And mind you, we're only doing this for 20 minutes a day. And we've got, we've got, you know, periods of time, big breaks that we've taken. But just devoting 20, 30 minutes a day gets you through a lot of scripture. And I hope you guys have been able to see that. We've been on a long journey together because we've taken breaks. We've taken some long breaks. We've had, you know, we don't get to do this every day. We do this only on Monday through Thursday. So it's not something we do every day. And yet, even then, imagine if we just spent an hour a day, right? An hour a day reading through scripture. And we did it every day. You'd get through the entire Bible so quickly. So I just want to encourage you. And the one, one of the reasons why I do this, and you guys understand this, the reason why we have our reading ramp is to take the umbilical cord off of you. The reason why we do the read and rant is so that you can begin to read the Bible for yourself. The reason why we do the read and rant is so you read it for yourself 
and that you have an independence that you can assert in your relationship with God. Too many folks are only hearing what somebody has to say about what the Bible says. Too many folks are only hearing what they believe an expert of the scripture is saying about what the scripture says. When God has made the scripture available to you, just read it for yourself. Yes, the teachers are important. Yes, it's important for us to give you the right perspective and context when you read the video, but it is important, y'all. It is important for you guys to come together and just spend time in the reading of the word. Okay, read it for yourself. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. There are things that you may not have known. There are things that you may have assumed. There are things people assume, even Christians, those who, who profess to be Christian, who assume about the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and this is what the Bible's about. And this is, and it's until you read it that you go, oh, snap, hold on a second. Maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Because when you read in these little piecemeal, these these small bite-sized portions, and you kind of read it all over the place, you miss out on the totality of what it's saying. And that's really why I'm here. I'm here so that you can be exposed to the totality of the text. So I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and turn your Bibles. As we notice here, I got folks from all over the place, New York City, California. Good to see you. Ethiopia. Good to see you. Austin, Texas, Louisiana. Good to see you. Maryland. I'm so glad you guys are here. Thanks for coming through. I love the fact that we have people from all over and I don't get to shout all of y'all out, but we got people from all over spending time in the reading of the word. For some of you guys, this is the morning. For some of you guys, it's evening. For some of you guys, this is lunchtime. For some of you guys, the middle of the night, whatever it may be, you are here and I'm glad you're here. So let's spend some time right now in the reading of God's word. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, this is what I want you guys to do, because this is not a Bible study. Bible studies tomorrow. Come and join us for that. It's on Discord, by the way. Join our Discord community. I encourage you to do that. I can't emphasize that enough. Join our Discord community. However, I want to, um, I want you to simply meditate on the scripture. So I want you to ask three questions as you spend time today in the reading of the word. The first question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question I want you to ask. The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Okay. Prayerfully, just, just prayerfully think through those things. Prayerfully meditate through them. Prayerfully sit and dwell in those questions and let the Spirit of God inspire you as you begin to read this text. Let us not be informed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, as we come before you today, Father, I pray that this word would transform us, Father, not inform us, but that it would inspire us, Lord, to bring us alive in you, in our relationship with you, to know you better. Father, reveal your heart, reveal your will, reveal your mind to us. Lord, I pray that even in this time, Lord, let us not insert ourselves Lord, but let the text change something about each and every one of us. Father, let this text change something about me today. I've got nothing prepared, Lord. I'm just here to sit with you and dwell with you, and we all get to come and do this together. So, Father, I just ask that you would um, do, a, do a work in us today, Lord, as we read this text. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 11. Let's get to it. It says this, verse one, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And they called them. So they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to the carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And I was to them as those who take a yoke from their neck. And I stooped and fed them. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king because they refused to repent. And the sword shall slash in his cities, devour his districts and consume them because of his own counsels. My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the most high, none at all exalt him. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zeboim? 
My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his son shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like a bird from Egypt, like a dove from the land of Assyria. And I will let them dwell in their houses, says the Lord. Ephraim has encircled me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God, even with the Holy One who is faithful. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind. His daily increase, sorry, he daily increases lies and desolation. Also, they make a covenant with the Assyrians. The oil is carried to Egypt. The Lord also brings a charge against Judah, and I will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds. He will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. And in his strength, he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel. There he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorable name. So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on God continually. A cunning Canaanite. Deceitful scales are in his hand. He loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. But I am the Lord God. Ever since the land of Egypt, I will again make you dwell in tents. As in the days of the appointed feast, I have also spoken by the prophets. I have multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the witness of the prophets. Though Gilead has idols, surely they are in vanity. Though they are, though they sacrifice bulls in Gilgal, indeed their altars shall be heaps and furrows of the field. Jacob fled to the country of Assyria. Israel served for a spouse, and for a wife he tended sheep. By a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet he was preserved. Ephraim provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore, his Lord will leave him the guilt of his bloodshed upon him and return his reproach upon him. Chapter 13. When Ephraim spoke trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Now they sin more and more, and they have made themselves molded images, idols of their silver according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say to them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chafe blows off from the threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me. For there is no savior besides me. I knew you in the wilderness. In the land of the great drought, when they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me, Jesus Christ. So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard. By the roar, I will lurk. I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. I will tear open their rib cage. And there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other? That he may save you in your all your cities and your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princess. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound out bound up. His sin is stored up. The sorrows of a woman in childbirth shall come upon him. He is an unwise son. For he shall not stay long where children are born. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I'll redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be your plagues. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. 
pity is hidden from my eyes. Though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his springs, then his springs shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall plunder the treasury of every desirable prize. Samaria is held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child ripped open. What an image. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer sacrifices of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we walk any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. Hmm. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I'll be like the dew of Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I've heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But transgressions, sorry, transgressors stumble in them. The word of God. So glad you guys are all here. Um, it is humbling. I will say this. It's humbling to see folks who come on here every morning, every weekday morning, except for Fridays now, but every weekday morning to see you guys come here to sit down and to read scripture with me. Um, it, it's humbling to see how many of you have sought after and have continually committed to the reading of the word. I am humbled by it. I'm encouraged by it. I'm encouraged by it because your response to this reveals to me how profoundly important it is that I even continue doing this thing called the read and rant. I can't even front with you. There are days where I'm like, I don't think I should continue this. I don't think this really matters anymore. <laughs> Those days were early on. Now I know I'm well aware and I love the community that I have here. The reason why I love you guys is because you guys continue also to push me forward. I'll be on, I'm on discord and I'll see people write, where's pastor Isaac today? I what's going on? Is there a reading rant today? And I, I understand that. And I want to say, first of all, that I understand the responsibility that God has given me to do this. And I've seen how this has profoundly changed lives. Like there are people who have been renewed in their faith simply because they were either hurt by what they, what church did or what the church community had done, what was taught. They were led astray. They were mistaught. There are people who now are going, I'm finally actually growing. Yes, pastor, we are growing. And for me, there's nothing that brings me more joy than to see people grow in Jesus. Let me say that one more time. There's nothing that brings me more joy than to see people grow in Jesus. I think sometimes as ministers, we sometimes could create egocentric ministries where we believe our ministry is growing because more people need us. But I believe that real ministry is one in which you empower people and you release people to go and to do what God has called them to do, to be who God has called them to be. You ain't doing ministry right if more people are dependent on you. 
you're doing ministry right when more people are empowered by you. And I, I, I'm so encouraged to see more and more people empowered, empowered. And to say, man, I see this thing so differently. I understand my relationship with God differently. I'm beginning to know the heart of God, the mind of God, the wisdom of God. I'm beginning to see who Jesus really is and what Jesus was really about. I'm beginning to see all the... And so for me, I, I can't say enough how encouraged I am. Guys, we have read from Genesis now all the way to Hosea. We have maybe a week or two maybe a week before we are done with the Old Testament. Because we only have a few more books that are just a few chapters each that we're just going to just fly through because they're smaller books with very, with, few, with fewer chapters. And so I want to say congratulations for those of you who have done this. And I want, I would love, so I'll say this, I I hope you're beginning to see the big picture now. If there's anything about this journey that I'm hoping for for you is that you're beginning to see the big picture. We, we can have Bible study and we can really dissect and divide the word and scripture and exegete and expostulate and, and, and break down and etymologically decompose words and, and, and develop theologies and help you understand her, hermeneutics and, and, and to apply soteriology and hamartiology and all theologies and to bring them all into coincidence with each other in order to gain a broad understanding of the scripture. I get it, man. All that's great. All that's good. But does not, none of that matters if you don't have the big picture. And yes, we have a place for that. We do that in Bible study. Y'all, we can't get past. We, we, how many weeks have we done now in Bible study? We've been in Ephesians chapter one now for like, how long now? Five weeks? Okay. We're only halfway through the chapter, <laughs> right? And so there's a place for that, to grow in that. But I believe that this is this is a powerful endeavor for you to sit down and say, okay, I'm beginning to see the big picture. I'm beginning to see the broad narrative. You can sit and look at a brick all day and miss the entire structure of the building. And sometimes I find that as pastors, we can get really stuck on preaching different bricks of the structure but not give the full perspective of the structure. We can sit and we can just, let's just be real. Like pastors, they basically preach through like maybe a third of the Bible, maybe closer to a quarter of it. And I will say this as well. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much. Y'all subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. If we can be real as pastors, we're only afforded maybe 52 hours a week in the traditional church format. Just think about that for a moment. You're only afforded 52 hours a week to have the attention of your congregation or your community. Did y'all hear me on that? 52 hours. You got 52 weeks and maybe a one hour sermon every week. And that's assuming they show up every week, which people don't show up every week. Let's be real. We don't go to church every week. Some of us haven't been to church in a long minute. <laughs> so if really, if people show up at, let's say people show up two thirds of the time, that means you've got maybe 30 hours, maybe 30 hours. Assuming you got all the attention and assuming they're going to go home and actually work through the stuff that you preached on. Truth is, people just don't do that. Let's just be real. 50 hours a year. Thank you. 52 hours a year. More like 30 hours a year. And so as pastors, we're only preaching the bricks. Maybe two or three bricks. That's it. Maybe two or three bricks. And that's it. We're done. And we wonder why people just don't get it. We wonder why people have this myopic view of Jesus. We wonder why people have this, this, this microscopic, microcosmic perspective of God. We wonder why people aren't growing. We wonder people why there isn't life change and life transformation because we haven't really empowered people 
to devote time to, to really look at this whole thing, like to read the whole thing and to look at the big picture. I will admit this. This is my first time. First time that I've ever sat down. I've, of course, I've done that with people that I've discipled and people that I've taught along the way. But this is the first time in doing this read and rant. This is the first time I've actually just read through the whole thing with a group of people so that people can see the big picture. And so I'm excited about that. I'm humbled by that. I'm honored by that. And I'm inspired by that because I've seen how it's changed lives, which is why even after, after we read through the Old Testament, we're going to go and read through the New Testament because here's what, here's what happens. Now that you've read the Old Testament, you're beginning to see what Jesus has been inserted into. We have read this and noticed that the story isn't as long as you think, and yet it's as old as you think. It starts with ancient Israel, but then it goes from Abraham, then it goes from Abraham to Isaac, the promise made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. And we, we already read the story of Jacob. Go back to the read and rant. Go back to the podcast if you haven't. Go check it out. But now you've read it and you're at, you're at this point where you're going, wait, hold on. So from Isaac to Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons and a weird family dynamic. These 12 sons become 12 families. These 12 families move to Egypt. They become 12 tribes, a nation. They then go back and return to where they had started from the beginning. They, the journey from that point to the other point, this time in the wilderness between their place of slavery to now their place of independence. We see a whole nation is formed from this man named Israel who wrestled with God. Israel, of course, becomes a nation. Israel falls apart. The scriptures tell us that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's how it ends in Judges. Then we, we, we see from Judges, we see 1 Samuel, and we see 2 Samuel. We see the institution of a prophet. And then from 1 Samuel, we see Saul became the king that they wanted. But notice, it wasn't the king that God wanted. How do we know that? We know that because of what Samuel said when he anointed the king. But notice Hosea brings it up right here in the text. He brings up the king that they anointed. <laughs> he brings up Israel's ways. He's bringing up all these points in history. He talked about how, look at chapter 12. From two, the Lord also brings the charge against Judah and, and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds. He will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in his womb, in the womb. Y'all remember that, what Jacob did. And then in his strength, he struggled with God. That's what the word Israel means. The one who struggled with God, or some believe that it meant the one who overcame with God. And it says, yes, he struggled with the angel. Notice the capital A, another conversation for another day. And he prevailed. He wept and sought favor with him. He found him in Bethel. We read this already. We saw this happen already. We saw this transpire in Genesis. And there he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. Look at, we're seeing the big picture, y'all. You see that? So by the help of your God. So now he brings up Israel. And he brings up that they are descendants of this man who was stubborn in his ways. And even though he struggled with the angel, he prevailed. Why? Because he said, I will not leave until you bless me. This is a man who went through a lot. If anybody knows anything about Jacob, you know the kind of person that Jacob has, the kind of person Jacob was. And now his name was changed to Israel. And that is, verse 8, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorable name. So you, by the help of your God, return and observe mercy. Now he goes from, this is who your forefather was. You are children of Israel. And now, from, we'll take the story of Israel, and now we're going to implant it in your, your present reality. 
But Israel overcame. You have the power to overcome as well. The mercy that Israel was given, you can be given as well. Israel then goes and becomes a nation, the children of Israel, and they return back to Canaan. They return back to the land that was promised to them. And in the land that was promised to them, we saw all the influence of the land on them rather than they influencing the land. They weren't the children. They didn't act, even though they were the children of the promise, they didn't act as the children of the promise. Hmm. And scriptures tell us that Jacob fled to the country. Look at 12 it says, Jacob fled to the country of Assyria. Israel served for a spouse and for a wife of tender chief. Notice that he goes back and forth between Jacob and Israel, back and forth between Jacob and Israel. He's talking about a people here. And he says, by a prophet, the Lord sought Israel out of Egypt. This was Exodus, y'all. Do you see how this all comes together? I'm just giving you guys perspective here so you see it. This is by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. That's Exodus. And by a prophet, who was this prophet? This prophet was Moses. So anybody says, so if anybody ever asked, does Moses have uh, prophetic authority? Well, according to the Hebrew people, he did. Notice now, we're, we're not talking, we're, we're not even part of the story yet. Pay very close attention here. This is not us. This is Israel. And we have something to learn about God through God's encounter and God's relationship with Israel. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. That's Exodus. And by, by a prophet, he was preserved. Ephraim provoked him again. He goes back and forth to Ephraim. Ephraim being one of the tribes, but it seems that he's using this term Ephraim to refer to Israel. Ephraim provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore, the Lord will leave the guilt of his bloodshed upon him and return his reproach upon him. So he's talking about where they've been. How far God has taken them. And then he, he begins to talk about when Ephraim trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended through Baal worship, he died. So they sin more and more and they have made themselves molded images. He's talking about the sins of Ephraim. Again, there was a tribe of Ephraim, member of the family called Ephraim, a representative of the family called Ephraim, this family that now became a nation, Ephraim. Now they sin more and more and they have made themselves molded images. So he's saying, this is, this is you, Ephraim. This is you. This is, this is what you've done. Ephraim's become the black sheep, but the black sheep represent the sheep. Therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud, early dew that passes away, like chafe blown from the threshing floor, like smoke from the chimney. We read about all this. He's talking about the sins of Israel over this period. We've, we've spent enough time talking about that. Go back, go listen to the other ones. We have it on Patreon. Go and listen to it. You can go back and listen to it. It'll be available on the podcast eventually. But I want you to see this, guys. That in verse 4 and 13 says, Yet I am the Lord God, the Lord your God, ever since the land of Egypt. And you shall know no God but me, for there is no God but me. For there is no Savior besides me. He, this is what he's saying to Israel now. Notice what God is speaking into. He says, I knew you in the wilderness, what we just spoke about in Exodus. I knew you in the land of the great drought. When they had pastured, they were filled. I knew you. Now we're, now we're moving forward. We're, we're fast forwarding now. So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the roar. I will lurk and I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. Hmm. I will tear open their ribcage. So we're, now we're reading this and we're, we're seeing this is the wrath of God. This seems so... Man, this is this this is angry. He's angry. He's angry with Israel. Verse nine, oh, Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. Now he begins to shift. The wrath of God, the love of God, the wrath of God, the love of God. Israel, you're destroyed, but then he says, your help is from me. 
Israel, you, you, you're going through it, but, but your help is from me. Here's one thing I want to point out to fail. I want to make sure y'all understand this. This speaks into the person of God. So many of us, when we think of God, we think of God as this force, this being, this authority, this power. When we think of God, we think of God as this distant judge, this this floating intelligence in the sky or this transcending intelligence. We make God this, this, this thing that's obtuse and, 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 and God is kind of like this, you know, (laughs) this abstract idea. But when we see how Israel talks about God, When we see how Israel speaks about God, Israel is not talking about God in a very abstract way. And Hosea, who's prophetically speaking the voice of God to his people, does not articulate God in that way. Israel talks about God as a person. You don't understand this because this is so important. We often think of God as like this floating image, but God is a person with personality. God is a person with emotion. God is a person who loves. That's that's what God is. And the way Israel articulates God, Vincy, you can you can disagree with that, but that's not a biblical perspective. See, if you want to think of God as like the universe or God as like some kind of floating thing or think of some guy as some kind of transcending energy and transcending power, you don't fully understand God. You don't fully understand them the way Israel understands God. Because the way Israel speaks about God is Israel speaks about God from the perspective of a person who has emotion, from a person who has opinion. We can speak about the authority of God, the power of God. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is also the end. But he is a God who loves, and he's a God who has emotion. And I think that's the part we don't understand. This is why there's so many of us who have simply seen our worship and our relationship with God from the perspective of compliance. You want to know why we simply comply to God? We simply comply to God because we don't actually see the person of God. We don't actually see the heart of God. We may see the authority of God. We may see the power of God, but we don't see his heart. We don't see him as a person because if we saw him as a person, we would maybe seek the desire to get to know that person. But no, he's just the power who we are to be simply compliant to because he is the authority who gives us all our blessings. And so he's sort of this exchange system, this this floating power, this this transcendent intelligence. And and so we just simply, we we, we feed in and we get back. And so it's a transaction that we engage in together. But if you see God as a person, it changes the way you go about your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is not a transaction but we make it that just because he's the alpha and the omega does not mean he's not a person. (laughs) 
And if he isn't a person, how does this God who isn't a person hear? How isn't this God who isn't a person see? How isn't a God who isn't a person know? And I think we miss that. So then we look at this and we see it and we go, this is a God who is angry. He's angry because these people represented him. These people were the ones who embodied him. He was in covenant with these people. He was in covenant with these people, yo. He was one with these people. God identified himself with them. He said, I will be your God and you will be my people. Seeing God as a person doesn't degrade him. That's the problem. That's the problem. All of a sudden, we take personhood. (laughs) I'm sorry if I stay here for a minute. I want to help you, brother. But we will take personhood. And we will make personhood somehow a degradation of God. Not realizing the person of God is the fullness of who he is. And when we understand the person of God, then we'll understand how we in person cultivate a relationship with this person of God. God has emotion. And we see his emotion all through this. So much so that God told Hosea, go marry a woman who would prostitute herself so that Israel can know what their relationship with me is like. That's what Hosea was about. So if you don't read, if you read Hosea and you don't see the person of God and the heart of God, you're missing Hosea entirely. God being a person doesn't take away from God being powerful and omnipotent and omniscient. And our personhood, our emotion, who we are, is a reflection of who God is. We are made in the image of God according to his likeness. You know, it's crazy to me sometimes. What I find is we have made the emotion a weakness. Like we can't have a God who is emotional because if God is emotional, then God must be weak. (laughs) It's funny how that transmits to how we feel about people. Because the moment someone expresses emotion, all of a sudden they're weak. Fam. You can have emotion and be strong. You you can weep and be strong. You can have joy and be strong. Being emotionless may mean you have restraint, but emotionless does not mean that you are strong. Matter of fact, sometimes it takes incredible courage to express your emotion. And I know there's some men out here who know exactly what I'm talking about. They taught you that you don't express your feelings because if you do, you're going to show yourself as someone who's weak. Don't express your emotion because if you express your emotion, then you're not a strong man. I find the most courageous thing to do as a man is to express your feelings. And there are many men today who are dying, dying before their time because the very emotion that God implanted in them never had an opportunity to express. They were suffocated to death because they could not express how they feel. Men need safe places to express in the same way that women do as well. And I think it's funny when we talk about God and the emotion of God, that somehow if God is emotional, then God must not be strong. If God has emotion somehow, then God must not be weak. Which is just why I find there are people who feel guilty after they express emotion. Understand, there's wisdom in expressing your emotion, but no one was more more emotional than David. No one was more emotional than, than, I mean, you you could go through the scriptures and you could find those who had profound expressions of emotion. 
<laughs> I, I love that. I, listen, I love this conversation right now because there are people who that's tough. It's hard to picture anger and holiness. How can you be angry and be holy? As if anger can't be righteous. It's hard to picture that God is emotional and yet he is still holy. Oh, we can go all day and work this out, y'all. We can go all day and we can keep working through this. And I love that. Fam, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus, God in the flesh, wept. Let me ask you a question, fam. When he wept, did he become less God in that moment? When Jesus wept, did he become less powerful in that moment? When Jesus wept, was he not God for that period of time that he was weeping? We need to get out of this idea that having emotion makes us weaker. We need to get out of this idea that having emotion makes us less powerful. Not realizing that even a God, that the scriptures tell us about a God who is angry, a God who has joy. He gives us the image of his relationship with his people, and he does it within the context of marriage, y'all. I'm sorry, how are you not married and not feel profound emotion in that? How do you not join one with another and not join in their experience? How, how, how does God say that I'm going to choose you to be my people and I will be your God and I will be in covenant with you? We will be one. The scriptures tell us that the church is the fullness of Christ. So you're saying the church is less church if the church is hurting? That you're, you're less a, a member of Jesus's body if you're, if you're having a bad day? Man, God is a person. He's a person. He's a person who he is hurt. He's angry because he's one with his people and his people have veered away from him. You know what I think? You know what I think? I think our relationships with God would change if we began to see God as a person. I think our relationship with God would change if instead of seeing God as simply like this righteous judge, this, this powerful, omnipotent intelligence, if we began to see the person of God, like if we began to see God as a person who we get to know and love and actually have a relationship with, I think it would change everything about how we live and what we do. Some of us, when we talk about the fear of God, we actually think it means being afraid of God. <laughs> when the fear of God is not what the word fear is in the text, the word fear means reverence, respect. We submit to God not subordinate to God, but submit to him with honor and respect for he is holy. But he's not one to be afraid of. He's one to be in relationship with. And if you can see God as a person, if you can see God as a husband to his wife, just think about that for a moment. If we could see God as a husband, picture the perfect husband in your mind. Who would that husband be to you? Just think about that for a moment. Take a snapshot for a moment and think, what would the perfect husband be like? Use your imagination for a moment. What would he do? 
What would the perfect husband do for his wife? And I know you got all kinds of ideas of that. And, and you may, you may, you know, I'm not going to, that can go in all kinds of directions. So I'm not here to, to, to judge you, but, but just use your imagination for a moment. And I think there are going to be some least common denominators, sacrifice, love, nurture, care, protection. You're going to think about all those things. You're going to think about all that stuff, not realizing that this is the very image that God is to his people. Marriage is a snapshot of God and his people. And if God says, I want to be the husband to my bride, my people, then now you begin to understand who God wants to be and how he wants us to be with him. And I think we miss that. If we could slow down for a moment, just think about this, fam. If we could slow down for a moment and get past the holiness of God and the righteousness and the wisdom, we use all these big floating words and it's all up in the sky. You get all these, all these different ideas of God and, you know, we could sit down and we can, we could you know, exegete and expostulate and we can sit and, and meditate on scripture and we can sit and talk about, you know, theologies, you know, soteriology and, and, and pneumatology and, and homartiology. And we can sit around with all the ologies and just talk about all this stuff. And we can do it in a really stuffy way and sound so intelligent about who God is. God's not an idea. He's a person. That's why we got a problem with having a relationship with him. We made him an idea. But God is a person. And until you see God as a person, how are you going to have a relationship with him? I read this and I see a husband who's looking at his bride, Israel. And his husband is expressing his anger. These are all the things he wants for Israel. This is, this is, this is what a broken husband does. This is what a husband who is, who, who, whose wife has committed adultery. This is how he ought to respond. This is what a husband responds to unless he doesn't care. I'm sorry, y'all. I only got five minutes, y'all. I'm sorry, but I, I think y'all need to understand this. Why is God so angry? Well, wouldn't you be if you cheated on him? Why is God so angry? Wouldn't you be if your spouse cheated on you? Wouldn't you be angry if they lived another life on the side? Wouldn't you be angry if they prostituted themselves? Wouldn't you be angry if you just stepped away from your marriage? As a matter of fact, if you were to step away from your marriage and your spouse doesn't respond in kind, doesn't show any emotion, doesn't show any anger, doesn't show any of that, hmm, maybe that spouse never actually loved you in the first place. Love and anger sometimes go together. Give me a sec. Sorry about that, Phil. And yet, even though love and anger go together, ooh, love overcomes sin. Love covers a multitude of sins. My anger wants Revenge. My anger wants retribution. God's anger comes out of his love for you. 
But then God's anger says, I'm going to cover because of my love for you. God's love led to his anger, but his love overcame your sin. And he's telling Israel right here. He's telling Israel right here, that even though you've been broken in all of this, I'm taking you back because I love you. And I'm still in covenant with you. I know your tendency because I've seen it from Israel on. I know you, Israel. I know who you are. I know how you've lived. I know what you've done. And yet, even though there's judgment, but God has continuing love for Israel. He uses the image of a husband and a wife. He uses the image of a child and a father. You won't, you're not going to fully understand God's love. You're not going to fully understand it. But you get to see glimpses of it. You get to see glimpses of God's love. You're not going to fully understand God's love. But you can see glimpses of it. If you're married, you can see glimpses of it. If you have children, you can see glimpses of it. How often is it that we've been angry at our children for things that they've done, but we quickly change from anger to forgiveness because we see ourselves in our children and we love them? How many times have we, our spouses have made mistakes? And get out of love. And we can't even make sense of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The kind of love where you go, I don't even know I'm forgiving you right now. Because the old me would have been like, nah. But now there's another part of me that's like, yeah. That's a glimpse. It's a picture. A little glimpse into the love that God has for us. And God is using these images. God is speaking through Hosea and giving him prophetic images in this prophetic poem to help Israel understand as much as I would want to give up on you, I can't give up on you. <laughs> this is the heart of God, y'all. So this song is hard for us to get because we're still trying to think of a God who's ruling, who wants us to comply, who wants us. We don't understand. This is a God who forgives us over and over and over and over. Yes, the Lord is gracious, Juliet. Yes, he is righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. So look what he says. He says, so you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy. This is chapter 12, verse 6, and justice, and wait on your God continually. Verse 9 is, but I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will again make you to dwell in tents, says in the day. Say, I've been there from the beginning. You will see what life used to be, but then I will restore you. He talks about this judgment that's on Israel, but then he ends with what Israel can await. He says in verse 4 in chapter 14, the last chapter, I will heal their backsliding. Wait, are they fixing themselves? No, no, no. God is saying, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. My anger has turned away from him. And I will be like the dew in Israel and shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots in Lebanon. Look at all the things that God wants to do with Israel. Restore Israel as a beautiful tree that produces fruit again. Notice what's happening here. Is he saying, if you can know who I am as a person, then your heart will be transformed and come to life. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do with idols anymore? What changed Ephraim's mind? Was it God's anger? Or was it God's love? What's going to melt Israel's heart? 
Is it God's judgment? Or is it God's mercy? Fam, let me, let me, let me make it straight for y'all. Some of us are afraid of God's judgment, but God wants us to accept his love. I'm over time. Some of us, some of us, we think it's the anger of God that's going to get us right. It's the wrath of God that's going to get us right. But it's the love of God that leads us to repentance. God's wrath and God's anger is not what transforms a heart. It's what God's love does. God's love led him to his justified wrath. <laughs> but God's love satisfied God's wrath. And because of God's love, we have an opportunity to be transformed by him. Ephraim will stop worshiping their idols. Ephraim will stop living this life. Ephraim will one day desire her husband. How does that happen? By the work of God's love. Today, if there's anybody here who's afraid of God, I came to tell you, being afraid of God ain't going to change you. For the folk who here who are afraid of God, being afraid of God won't change you. If you're afraid of God, being afraid of God won't transform you. Being afraid of God is not going to get you to live right. Matter of fact, being afraid of God is just going to make you feel bad about the way you're living right now. Fear does not transform. And God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, of power, and of love. Do you know what's going to transform you? The love of God will. But you cannot know the love of God until you realize that God is a person that loves. And God loves you enough that he forgave you, overlooked all of your sin so that you can be in relationship with him. So if you're afraid of God, you're not going to change. Fear ain't going to change you, but love's going to change everything. God's love is going to change Israel. God's love is going to transform Israel like a husband to a prostitute wife and like a father to a rebellious child. God's love transforms you. Love y'all, fam. Know that God loves you. Father, I thank you as we... Uh, close out our time today father bless us today lord let's be reminded of our tendencies lord to do our own thing to follow our own idols to live our own way lord as we come before you right now father i pray that you would um, remind us of your love lord the one that transforms our heart not the one that makes us compliant but the one that allows us to know you and in knowing you transforms us in a powerful way. Father, remind us today in every little thing we do. Lord, remind us today, Lord, that just like Israel, who keeps getting it wrong, <laughs> you're the Father who keeps coming back to restore. So restore us. Restore those of us who are here today. Those of us who need to hear this today. Those of us who are still working through, how can a God accept me? <laughs> the way that I am. And so, Father, I pray that we would learn to just trust you and submit to you and to allow you to do the work of restoring us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. I encourage you guys, join our Discord community, okay? We've got lots of folks there who are praying for you, encouraging you, 
Um, if you need a community, we're going to start doing the forums on there for Bible studies, all that. We have Bible study tomorrow. So get your discord in place because I'm only doing it on discord. So I want to encourage you jump on discord y'all. Okay. Our community is really growing there. So I want you to connect there. Uh, we're going to create groups, discussions. We're going to do video chats, the whole thing. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. Um, and we're live right now. So if you want to catch a reading rant in audio format, cause you can't sit and just look at my face the whole time, you can do it right there. Okay. You don't need to see my face. All right. You can join us on discord. Um, and also, um, join our Patreon. I've been praying about this as we grow. I've been praying that there'll be people who would support us for what we're doing. And so prayerfully consider joining us, um, to be part of our Patreon. It's $10 a month. I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but I tell you all the time, it's a big deal in so many ways. It's more than the $10. It's your support. It's your affirmation. It's you saying, Hey, I've been blessed by this and I want to be a part of this. And so consider becoming a patron. And of course, yeah, you get access to this right away. I'm going to make this available for replay right away on Patreon, but it's more than that. It's your support. And so I want to encourage you, uh, go to patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Okay. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. I see you guys posting the link there on, on Discord. So I want to encourage you jump on. If you're in the everyone chat on Discord, I encourage you right now, just jump on that. Okay. Click that link, become a patron. Um, praying to get to our goal. So, and I, I can't wait to announce that we've gotten to our goal. Okay. So we need to get to our goal. My goal is a hundred, um, a hundred more before the end of the year. So please support us so we can get there. All right, fam. And I'll be sure to announce it when we get there. Okay. Um, so I just believe we'll get there and thank you so much for your support and also subscribe to the reading ramp podcast. That's free y'all. Okay. Subscribe to the reading ramp podcast. And by the way, if you need a link to our discord or link to Patreon, I'll text it. Um, just text me 954-231-1848-231-1848. I will see y'all tomorrow morning and I'll give you guys all the updates there. I'll update you guys as well. By the way, if you want just regular conversation updates, I'm I'm chatting on there. Okay. I'm updating on there. I do everything there now. I'm moving and consolidating all my energy on Discord. So yeah, I post content on these platforms, but I want to really connect with folks and really see you guys connect with one another on Discord. So join our Discord, y'all. And um, and I'll keep you updated there. Okay. Love y'all, fam. I will see you guys tomorrow. God bless y'all. Peace out.